Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. And we have had wonderful amounts of feedback about last week's story about UK roaming between uh, our local networks. And we've had a ton of feedback and some ideas from you listeners about ways that we could improve the infrastructure around Britain to help uh, people get the best coverage wherever they are, whether that's cities or rural areas. So we'll be coming to those in a bit. Look forward to that. And first, on the topic of mobile networks, very exciting to have another 4G network launching. And anybody who is a Virgin Media subscriber or possibly even a Virgin Mobile subscriber already as well will be excited about this. Virgin Media is going to be launching 4G for its customers in the UK. It'll be on the back of the EE network, which is known for its its speed. Uh, also, of course, its expense. But these prices seem to be pretty compelling. They're going to start with plans from about £6 a month up to £25 a month. They'll get you up to 20 gig of data and unlimited texts. There are a few interesting things about this because... On the one hand, it's another network tied to a television and broadband provider, which is not that exciting. We talked about Sky the other day. We've talked about BT before now. But they do offer a couple of things that stood out to me. And one of them is that they will allow you to roll over unused data from one month to the next, which is something that we haven't seen in the UK for, I reckon, well over a decade. I certainly remember before data was a thing, we used to have our calls and minutes roll over at least one month, sometimes by a couple of months. But then it just sort of went away and everyone just seemed to accept the fact that it was okay to pay for several, uh, you know, a, a lot of data, a lot of minutes and a lot of data and a lot of texts. And then if you didn't use them one month, they were just gone. So it's quite nice to see that come back. And I wonder if this is something that other networks might jump onto. Ian, do you well, miss that feature? Well, I think, you see, I think the thing is that the reason that feature went away is a lot to do with how people use phones. Um, And I I feel like the prices did fall a lot. And I think that's one of the things that was a casualty of that. So they, they, they reduced their own costs by getting rid of rolling over minutes and stuff like that. But of course, I don't think people really use call minutes and call and texts that much. I mean, it is really data that, that is the big beneficiary of all of this technological advancement. I, I know I don't make phone calls or really do much text messaging. Uh, everything's on, you know, one of the various different messaging clients I have installed. So, uh, and because I'm on an unlimited data plan, for me, it has a lot less relevance. So, uh, I I'm, I can see why it would be useful to have it come back and. Um, I was uh, thinking about this and I remembered that I've had conversations with people in the last year and they've admitted that they've run out of data for the month. Uh, can you imagine such a thing? No. Unbelievable. I was talking to a mum at school and uh, she said, oh, yeah, I've, I've run out of data. And, and I was it, it just sort of floored me a bit. I didn't really know what to say. How are you still alive was my first question. How are you? Uh, are you OK? Would you like to come and use my Wi-Fi? The other thing that's related to that point, though, is Virgin... 
media is going to zero rate WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger, a messenger for pictures and video messages and obviously text messages via those platforms, which means if you send a message via either of those two services, it won't reduce your data plan. So if you actually have run out of data, theoretically, it seems, you'll still be able to use those services. Mm. You see, that is useful, isn't it? I'll I'll tell that mum. Because that is exactly the sort of thing that those people are the people who would most benefit from having the ability to sort of use either free data or having rolling over data minutes, your data amounts. So that's quite good. I like that. Together, it's a decent budget play. And the fact you're getting 4G speeds is handy as well. But what is worth pointing out, because I asked this question of Virgin Media, and it's that video calling does not fall under the zero rated policy which is a real shame because if you are using video calling then you are going to be using quite a lot of your data yeah but you can't you can't be surprised by that given that that, you know they've they've got a relatively a relatively decent data allowance anyway haven't they Um, well it depends on the one you're on and no i'm not surprised in the slightest i just think it is worth people being aware if they are considering this as a package or as a service, not to be sucked in too seriously by the promise of zero-rated data. Because if all you're sending is Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp, even even pictures, which are compressed down from their original size, it really uses a very, very small amount of data. And if it's text only, it uses almost no data. To clarify, you can send video messages. So if you record a message and you want to send it to somebody, that's fine. That's included. That will be zero rated. But if you press the live call button and you open a direct connection to that person to have a live two-way video stream or multiple video stream, if you're doing it to multiple people on Facebook Messenger, that will not be zero rated. So that will still take up data. And it does use a lot of data. Facebook Messenger in particular, it's video calling. It's very high quality. It looks great, but it does use an awful lot of data, even on a cellular connection. So it's something to be mindful of. My assumption about that is that they're able to tell when you're doing something like a video call because the data rate is constant. So is that something that they're going to try and stop people from doing? Like, Will you be prevented from having data that is on WhatsApp, say, say you're on WhatsApp, um, Will it just cut you off or something? I mean, I don't know how they would manage that from an administrative point of view. Because if you're in a WhatsApp video call, presumably that data is encrypted. They can't tell what it is. They can only tell that it's a constant stream of it at a certain bit rate. And then what do they do? What action do they take if you've run out of data? Do they just stop the call? I, I, you know, it's it's a good question, do you think? That is a very good question. And, and the encryption side of that does make it difficult because the network will not know the nature of the the connectivity. It could be to do with a sustained throughput of data, as you say. That would be one way of, of, of doing it. but it's and, and possibly the only way, unless there's something, some agreement that has been made between the platforms. But I... Oh, I there's I, no way they could do that. It's, it's unworkable. No, no messaging platform would want to give them that kind of information. I'll find that out because that's not a question that I asked, but we'll come back to that next week. The answer to the question is probably they won't be able to tell and you'll just get away with it. Um, as long as you don't go too far and then they might take the whole thing away from you. But Well, we'll look forward to getting some answers on that for next week's show. But let us know if you're interested in this sort of a plan, of course. I think there are people who will benefit from a plan like this. And it'd be nice to see this being applied to other networks in the uk i think but podcast at natelangson.com let us know your thoughts on this 
Well, moving on to a scandal, Ian. Scandal erupted in the world of young person's insurance this week. (laughs) The car insurance... Well, they're not a car insurance firm. The insurer, Admiral, which for anyone listening outside of the UK is a, a very, very big, one of the bigger insurance companies. It had tried to set up a policy where if a young driver allowed the company access to their Facebook feed in order to look at the sort of stuff that they're posting, they will potentially gain a very large discount on their premium, which obviously for young drivers, if you're an 18-year-old male getting a driver's license for the first time, expect your premium to cost a lot more than the car you're insuring. And this would have been a way for them to say, well, we've seen this person's post. They're posting about violins and kittens and the benefits of a healthy life by driving slowly down a B road. They might be more a higher target for a reduction on their premium. If, however, they spend most of their time going, all right, mate, I'm going to do some donuts around the park later. What the and, hell uh, is that sort of an impression of? That's what I call mid-2000s chav. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it wasn't very good, it was wasn't it? at all. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Mm. <laughs> uh, if you were posting something along along those lines to to facebook you know just talking about how you're going to go skidding and doing handbrake turns and is it obvious by this that nate does not drive is has anyone sort of picked up on that as a sort of a, a hint but anyway getting back to the meat of this story sandwich here that facebook blocked this idea um it essentially said no this is against our terms of policy facebook doesn't allow you to make decisions um, about things like credit and you know and things that affect whether you get access to something based on what you can learn from your Facebook feed. Um, although interestingly, Facebook owns a patent on doing exactly that, which suggests that the reason Facebook doesn't let you do it is that Facebook wants to do it itself and sell you an expensive service that does it for you. Um, <clears throat> however, I sort of feel like the whole thing was flawed from the start anyway, because like you said, they were talking about using language. And to to quote The Guardian, um, they said the insurer will examine posts uh, and likes by the Facebook user, although not photos, looking for habits that research shows are linked to those traits, um, which include things like writing in short, concrete sentences, using lists, arranging to meet friends at specific times rather than just tonight. So... That might work in a broad manner for people on Facebook, but whenever you resort to these kind of sort of general terms about people, I think you're going to get some really unreliable results, and there will always be people that just don't fit within that kind of narrow framework that you've built up around them. So, I don't know. I At first, I thought I can see the logic to it. Uh, it wasn't mandatory or anything, so it, it didn't really offend me. Um, and then as, the more I've thought about it, I kind of feel like it is probably quite a flawed idea anyway. And so- well, what, One of the things that I did think was interesting about this, which I, I did find an answer to, is, all right, it's one thing to do this analysis and find out that a young driver is has a very let's let's say a safe personality we we know what we mean by that you know someone who doesn't seem to be a risk of uh, crushing a car or, or whatever um they might get a they might get a discount but it did make me wonder if the system picked up on just very explicit posts about 
advocating speeding or crashing into kittens or, <laughs> you know, um, putting go faster stripes or hanging out in the Broxbourne car park within your mum's Nissan um, with the radio on at 2am in the morning. But drinking are people really going to be posting about this on Facebook anyway? Yes, because a lot of people are stupid in. <clears throat> well, I know that. The world is sadly full of a lot of stupid people and that's fine stupid people have a right to drive and be insured well, as well I'm, but I don't know about that but if the if the facebook bot saw that and actually said well actually far from a discount are you absolutely sure you want to insure this person give them a nine thousand pound premium because they are literally excited about the prospect of breaking the law in a car but i found an answer to this in a story on the bbc where the company did say they could get a discount of between five and fifteen percent according to admiral but the company specifically said nobody would be given a more expensive quote after the test which does it surprises me in a sense because surely all right you want to find a way to be competitive and and offer someone a cheaper deal but if you're going to use the system at all why not find out if somebody's going to be a, a maniac on the road as well and just well, get rid of them entirely? I, I would say because they don't have enough faith in the system to really use it that way. I, I suspect it isn't that good. It might be, really, that this was only ever a publicity stunt anyway and that actually the meaningful amount of data you get from it would be so small that actually you wouldn't really want to do anything more than just offer a small discount uh, and only in cases where you were fairly sure that they were going to be good drivers. The thing is, I think that all the, driving is about experience. Um, you know, the, the, everything they teach you in the test is useful. Um, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I think to some extent it is. I, I still think about my test when I'm on the road. And I still, and I'm, I'm one of these people that for some reason, and I can't tell you why, a lot of the highway code sticks with me. Like I know things about driving that other people just don't seem to have ever learned. Um, but at the same time, Really, the like in anything in life, the experience of doing something for a few years is what teaches you to be a, a better driver, a safer driver. And when you get to my age, you start you do start to slow down a little bit and you think uh, it's not worth it anymore. Having said that, I also believe that young drivers should be allowed to sort of hood it around a bit because that's how they learn their lesson. You know, it, it, but sadly, the lesson might be might be crashing into an old lady driving cars is, taking her yeah. taking a donation no, no. to the children's uh, home no, and, and I, accompanied and I, by sick animals and absolutely i agree with you on tv uh, yes and i and i completely agree with you um but driving isn't safe and that's one of the reasons that eventually we won't be allowed to do it at all it will go away because so you're saying it's a moot point because we're all going to be in automatons I, I think, I think mindlessly controlled by the hive mind of future technology well if if you assume that the number of the total number of people killed through road traffic accidents every year is an entirely avoidable number of people then you can only conclude that it's as bad as smoking Mm. Really, because people die on the roads for no reason other than an accident happened. And you cannot prevent an accident because that's what the word accident means. You know, it, no one no one is necessarily at fault, although you could have been more careful or whatever. But there are a wide range of reasons that people crash into stuff. And some of it's inexperience and some of it's just a complete lack of focus on the minute at the hand. You could have just, you know, been told your cat's terminally ill and that might have, have real I- impact on your ability to drive safely. It would certainly affect my oh, ability. There you go, you see. And, it, and, it, and, and you cannot legislate for people being suddenly upset because they've just been dumped by their girlfriend or whatever. And that will always affect, 
you know, how you are in anything, especially driving. You'll feel it when you drive. You understand that, you know, things affect your mood and, and then affect your driving. If this story has affected you, let us know. Podcast at natelangson.com. Speaking of podcast at natelangson.com, we had a lot of email from last week's show where we talked about the story of MPs pushing for mobile networks in the UK to share their networks with users of other networks if that user on another network was in an area that had no signal. Neat summary. Was it? (laughs) Not really. It was fine. It just made me laugh. There was a lot of the word network appeared in it. Indeed, that's what we call a word echo. And I'm normally very good at getting rid of those in copy, not so much in my mouth. But if you want a more concise explanation, go and listen to text message episode 73 from last week. Everything you want and more. It was a good one. It really was. It gave me just a very high degree of satisfaction and uh, just joy in joy in my uh, in my mind. Um, but anyway, we had a lot of feedback about that. And I wanted to go through a few of them. There's a consistent theme to some of these messages let's see if that theme becomes clear as i read through them first richard emailed i think the mobile phone industry should be like the railways uh whereas rail track own the rails and allow companies to run trains on them a company should own all the cell towers and rent space on them to networks this way all networks would have the same coverage and we will need fewer towers that was followed up by an email by uh by nuno who says, hi, the subject of national roaming for mobiles is an interesting one. Perhaps the model where a publicly owned organization owns the infrastructure while operators work as MVNOs, mobile virtual network operator. That is what MVNO says. It is, yeah. Yeah. Um, Is not that distant from where what we have with OpenReach from BT and multiple ISPs, which is also something we talked about uh, last week or all the week before in terms of broadband availability. Imagine, Nuno continues, how much money we would be saved if instead of radio frequency auctions and multiple networks, we had one network, but several MVNOs. So both of those both of those ideas boil down to the same thing, nationalizing the infrastructure and then essentially leasing it out where the competition is is made less prominent because everyone's using the same data. It's a good space. idea. Um, I agree with all of those points. The only uh, thing I'd say that from a legislative point of view and the reason that BT was done the way it was done is that it was built on infrastructure paid for by the public in the first place because it was a it was a publicly owned company that was then privatized uh, you would struggle I think I mean you probably you could probably could force them to do it um, but you would have to pay money I suspect to the network operators who've already built up the existing network um, and that uh, that would just cause friction I think with uh, with the government and the networks uh, but Fundamentally, I think that idea is actually really good. In the same way, it sort of makes sense for one company to have an overall specialism. So someone is very good at doing water pipes, you know, as an example. But then you have franchises that are able to sell water into them. I mean, that that whole thing is kind of silly, really. But it does allow them to compete with one another. And that's what drives down the price. I, I like the idea of having, the you know, the whole spectrum being managed more by the government and the placement of part, you know, masts being done in a way that gives exactly the same access to every part of the country. If you just bit the bullet on it, 
it would be a boost for the economy probably to to pay to have masks put everywhere it would employ people it would be a good use of tax money and then you would walk away from it with a very resilient network that would would give you good coverage so i like the other idea of course is that you set up an mvno that just by it just inherently has the roaming deals with all the networks you have a number and it just uses whichever network is on and it, it pays the money as a as a roaming fee instead of having to operate its own backbone i don't know if that's technically possible but i'm sure anything's technically possible if you want to i I guess a lot of it comes down to the standards of gsm and and the and the other you know similar systems that we use that might have uh it you know might might make some parts of it difficult to do but who knows Mm. well ty writes in and says i wanted to throw my five cents in as i have a not so novel solution that would work for royal mail too always helpful when people say here's an idea it's not so novel doesn't really endear you to want to read the following two paragraphs but hell let's well, find we, out we read every email sent to us so we would have, we did read this didn't we and it's in the show so yes good point he's, he's obviously gone on to redeem himself would be my prediction step one government build a rural network brackets only rural throughout the uk in black spots bear with me he says step two Make it a law to deliver networks to the entire of the UK. Step three. Charge networks to roam onto the government network. Step four. Roll back the government network as private companies build their own networks to replace the expensive government rural monopoly. So we get coverage for all. So what he's saying is it's a backdoor. It's create something from taxpayer money and then essentially make the companies think that it is more valuable or viable for them to just build their own version of it rather than paying a government fee. I think that that is actually a really good idea. A very good, expensive, public funded idea. uh, Yeah, but is it that expensive really? Yes, yes. There's a reason why rural networks don't exist by these massive companies well, operating on tiny margins with fierce competition. No, but because it's really bloody expensive and the returns are tiny. Yeah, and, and that's fine. But imagine, so if you think about it, the government says, um, and I've had an argument, we've been through this before, I had an argument with Vasey on the internet about this. Uh, he disputed my facts, which I'd gathered from factual sources, but never mind. Um, essentially, this could be a way to deliver broadband to rural areas. So the government d- goes in, put down, puts down its masts. I can't imagine it's that expensive to put down a mast if you're the government. You can, you know, you're going to be buying a lot of things. You can do deals. Uh, all you need is you either link them via RF link or radio li- link, or you put a fiber optic cable down. But what you also get from that is you get a, a, a central hub, which you can then use to distribute broadband either over 4G or by cable. You could turn the whole thing into like a mini phone exchange. And then that gives you a thing that the government can then sell out to um, you know, other service providers. And yes, they, they put on a fee for it. And then if the companies think, well, we're getting okay demand from this, it's probably worth us putting our own equipment in, then they do it. If not, they're just paying a little bit more. The government's making some money back, and over time it would probably recover the costs. And if it doesn't, then that's just the cost of giving people in rural areas access to broadband, which is what they promised, and is absolutely reasonable for people who live in rural areas to expect that they have access to fast broadband. It isn't you know, something that's optional in this day and age. It's absolutely essential. 
Well, Ty seems to think that it could work for Royal Mail as well. He said it would open up the market to competition that's on a fair playing field. Yeah, but Royal Mail had its chance. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and, you, and Royal Mail does deliver to every address in the country. That is just the law, isn't it? So, yeah. I don't know. At no extra charge, I think, is also key. Yeah. It means if it's a post... If it's a post box they have to deliver without charging a premium yeah. for, for where you live. And this is one of the well, things about, that's good about having the government provide services. It means that ultimately when you set it up, you can build a really comprehensive network um, or you know, postal service or whatever. And then when you sell it off eventually, everyone understands that part of that is that the rule is you have to carry on providing that service. Yeah. Well, Ty said he spent literally five minutes thinking about it, so maybe it's fraught with issues, but sounds good it to me. Sounds fine to me. Him. Let's immediately put it into place. Well, one more we've got, which which I wanted to use last because to me it kind of it wraps the whole issue up into a, a, a sort of a real world example, which which we know there are many of out there. This comes from Red Five, who says completely agree with you regarding mobile phone coverage, signal sharing. I live in Beckles in Suffolk, and I'm on EE, but with no 4G coverage here. Yet my wife's Vodafone coverage is now recently 4G, but only in the town. If I go a few miles down the road, I have almost no 3G signal at all. Or a few miles the other way, there is a 4G signal. All mobile signals around this area are patchy at best and still a few black spots in places. But to be able to share signals around this area would help enormously. It's irritating how mobile companies still won't invest in the countryside areas just because we're not living in a city. Great podcast, guys. Keep it up. Thank you very much. And that kind of underscores, as I said, what we we're talking about is that a lot of these issues really do affect a very large number of people over a wide area of space and i think it's useful to to keep in mind how this might not seem like a big deal to us in in the cities necessarily but um it really is an issue out in in uh, less populated areas and i i see this every time i go to my mum's house uh, who lives just outside a town called buxton she lives in a hamlet and the signal there varies wildly depending on what network you're on sometimes you get a usable 4g signal sometimes you get absolutely nothing at all and it can the difference can be literally within feet of 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 each other it's um it's frustrating and and definitely ripe for for some sort of disruption so thanks to everybody who who wrote in really interesting to get these thoughts and feedback always welcome more if you have a a different opinion to what you've heard today let us know we can talk about it again maybe next week or the week after podcast at natelangson.com Okay, well, a couple of stories we wanted to get to on the topic of contactless payments. That's right. It's a contactless payment segment. Um, Two stories. One, Sainsbury's, the supermarket, of course, is going to enable contactless payments for the majority of its shops by Christmas this year. Which, on the one hand, fantastic. Contactless is wonderful. It's very helpful. On the other hand, seriously, Sainsbury's, you did not have contactless payments already. This is ridiculous. There was obviously something else going on. And I believe I read something that said something that they had their own system that they were going to put into place that um, that was going to be contactless. And so like Barclays and their idiocy, um, they weren't going to support, you know, the, the standards like Apple Pay and all that kind of jazz. Well, I read this story on v3.co.uk and they had a quote from Sainsbury's and I loved this quote. I'm only going to read one sentence because it's all you need. This is the quote from Sainsbury's. Our customers will find an expected item in the bagging area soon. (laughs) That's idiotic. 
It's wonderful, isn't it? It's a little nod to of, of irony, isn't it? Yes. Self self uh, deprecation there, because we all know how horrible those systems are. Side note: Can I just throw something out there? Yeah. I know this is an old topic, talking about the language that these self checkout machines use, but it really annoys me when I hear the sentences that some of these systems read out. I'm not going to get into the annoyance of using a self-checkout. Like We can bitch about those all day. But a human being had to go into a vocal booth and record a sentence. Things like unexpected item in bagging area or please use pin pad to complete transaction. <laughs> like no, Nobody talks like that. At what point did someone just say, can we just tweak this language slightly so it sounds like a bloody human being please because this makes no sense like no one talks to each other like that at all anyway it it just frustrates me so much i just wanted to get that out apologies no, I, I agree and actually laziness in language is well that annoys you because you're a journalist and it annoys me too and, and when people say the same thing in the same way all the time annoys me you know it's, it's just laziness it, try and enjoy the language and do that by varying the way you use it it's very pleasant they should i mean this is another service that that should be ready for bots to take over so you can have a back and forth i mean Good i idea, mean every time actually. i buy my sandwich from mns in finsbury square where i work in the week it says have you used your sparks card and every time under my breath i go have i bollocks <laughs> i tell you this every time or something like that or sometimes i just go no and Every time, I think, perfect opportunity for the machine to hear that and go, oh, really? Would you like one? Here are the offers. Blah, 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 blah. Every single time. Mm. You know, or just some kind of back and forth. Make these things a bit more human. I mean, if you're going to replace a human with a machine, why not replace or at least try to replace some element of what made a human useful in the first place which is that you can have a back and forth even if it is incredibly surface level well i quite like that idea now you said it as soon as you said it i thought actually that makes a lot of sense it wouldn't it be good if like alexa you could talk to your checkout you know have you used your nectar card no i i don't i don't have one blah 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 I, it might just it might just add some levity to the conversation i i think that's a really nice idea well done Thank you. Another story about contactless is that all of London's black cabs now accept contactless payments. I saw this on Wired. It's surprising it took this long, but at the same time, I'm almost surprised that some car companies are doing it even at all because they do like cash, as we've discussed in the past, but they now will all have to take contactless payments. There's 22,500 licensed black cabs, apparently. Yeah, that's a lot. Mm. Well, that story fizzled out into nothing. But anyway, it will at least make it easy for visiting Americans who come over. Because I remember having a conversation with someone who came over from New York um, to visit me on a, for a, a work for a meeting. And uh, the first conversation we had over lunch was how they had to scramble to try and find some cash at, a, at an ATM because they didn't accept credit cards. They only yeah. took cash. And this person from New York, where they all take credit cards... Um, found that really surprising it's absolutely ridiculous the f- you know the really if it, because the black cabs are, is is a very it's a privileged position and of course they all work very hard to get to that position and so rightly they should be rewarded with you know better salaries than someone who jumps in a minicab and does that for a living because obviously the training is much better um but you know at the same time i think that part of the responsibility that comes with being the approved supplier of taxis to london if you will or anywhere else is that 
you are offering the best service and including modern things in that, you know, Apple Pay, all that kind of stuff. Having an app that you can pay in, you know, if you, you haven't got any money, just get the app and do it that way. You know, I just, it's just annoying. Black cabs, I mean, and you know, some of them are great and a lot, and some, some of them aren't. And there need to be better rules. And I'm surprised it took this long, honestly. Indeed. Well, opinions, of course, podcast at natelangson.com. Wanted to say thank you to everybody who's been leaving us fantastic reviews in the iTunes store. As we've always said in the past, that's kind of like the number one way to to give something back if you enjoy the program. Because while not all of you use iTunes, the majority of podcast discovery is either done through the iTunes store or it's done through podcast apps that use the iTunes backend as a way of, of having a podcast directory in the first place. So leaving reviews in the iTunes store in your local country, whatever's nearest always helpful but um but we look for the, the the uk ones to look at the numbers we're on 148 five star reviews right now um and that is just wonderful and i wanted to read one of them that came in from dobbo uk uh, on the 2nd of november who said i like the way your mouth says words these words in turn form sentences these sentences then make me feel some level of joy said joy then makes my day good good days can ultimately end up merging to form a good life and isn't that what we all want <laughs> so to cut a long story short listen to this podcast what an amazing piece of feedback that's absolutely amazing yeah so if you'd like to join Dobbo and, and a whole bunch of people I see in here JD Looker Vinny JT B Hilson Yana I mean there's there's loads just even going back to September um, that would be fantastic I'm very grateful to you um, all for leaving those and just generally telling friends and family about the show let's check in briefly with Tom Merritt on Daily Tech News Show to see what's been going on though in the wider world of technology over the last few days Tom Hey, thanks, Nate. This week on Daily Tech News Show, Charlie Oliver talked with us about how to explain the benefits of machine learning to people. Then Twitter started playing with customer service bots. We marked the passing of desktop internet usage by mobile, figured out what the heck Apple's up to with its laptops, we think, and discovered that toy-based video games are not just for kids anymore. All that and more at DailyTechNewsShow.com. Back to you. That is going to do it for this week, everybody. You can follow us on Twitter, of course. I'm at Nate Langson. Ian is at IanMorris78. And we collectively are at TextMessagePod. Getting a few new followers on there, so thanks. I think um, we're getting more and more encouraged to do a bit more on Twitter. We know how the Twitter machines work. We've used it for years. But for a podcast, we're sort of um, speak preaching to the choir a little bit. So Yeah. Um, we're, what we're, but if nothing, what we're going to try and do is we're going to catch up with our other amazing podcast, Fraculous, and try and reach their level of subscribers because they're they're leading us at the moment by quite a large margin. So yeah. uh, I'm very motivated to not have that the case anymore. All right, well you can help Ian in that uh, rightful quest over by following us on Twitter at Text Message Pod. Keep the emails coming in. We will see you in a week. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And I'm Ian Morris. You said with me, Nate Langson. I... I, what? You said with me, Nate Langson. Oh, I see. You said it's the way you said it that confused me. Let's just do it again. Yes, that's, that's essential. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.